This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to our very last Ryan Murphy episode, not ever, but of this time and not even of this year, because if you're a Patreon subscriber, you can help, you can join us as we journey through American Horror Story. So it's not even the last Ryan Murphy episode of this year, but it's the last regular normal Ryan Murphy episode this year. We're And we're covering 911, which if you've listened to some past episodes, everybody knows how angry I am about this show because I did not want to like this show. I did not think I would like this show. This is not my kind of show at all normally. So I was like, oh, I know I'm not going to enjoy this. And then I ended up loving it. And I'm very angry about this. I blame my three panelists. Hooked you. And I blame Ryan Murphy. So Ryan Murphy is the man who haunts my life as we've determined. He's by my side all the time. He's over there somewhere right now. Uh, and you'll notice, I know that for compared to other things we've covered for Ryan Murphy, this is not like American Horror Story Ryan Murphy, although he tries to throw some stuff in there. But I do think it's important to still have the trigger warnings for this as well. So I have them scrolling for people that are watching this. If you're listening, I have trigger warning for queer baiting, domestic violence, because that might come up. And mentions of suicide might come up as well or feeling suicidal. So just wanted to give trigger warnings for that. So before we dive into this one, I want to go around and have everybody tell me what they're into right now in pop culture. Carla? Hi, I am currently very into rewatching. Oh, God. I'm just watching it. and I'm like, what's it called again? Like, seriously, it's just gone through my brain. <laughs> I'm rewatching something that I enjoy very much, and I enjoy it so much that I can't recall what it's called. Except that it's called Our Flag Means Death. Yes, thank you. I'm like, gay pirate show. Oh, God. I just, I, I can't stop. I love that show so much. I, I think it's, I, I've just become so obsessed with it, and, you know, can't stop, won't <laughs> yeah, stop. Yeah, that's all my Twitter line talks about, so... <laughs> Uh, I I will not be watching the show anytime soon, as I've said before. I'm really happy for everybody that it makes everybody so happy, especially that it's not a typical queer baiting show. And I know someday I may get uh, harassed into <laughs> bullied into covering it, <laughs> but it's not happening this year. So. <laughs> See, I think the restraint Carla and I have shown in not even starting to bug you about you it is pretty admirable. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because I have done so many shows for them that I'm kind of, that they're in a timeout of recommending anything that I've put them in in my head. So that's that's why. 
So Meg, what are you into? Aside from rewatching Our Flag Means Death, I'm pretty excited. I haven't actually had a chance to watch it yet, but I'm super excited. Uh, Heartstopper is just released on Netflix, and it's based on this really cute graphic novel, uh, YA graphic novel that my my daughter really likes, and and I read all of them like really really fast. Uh, so that's out, and it's just it's a little little gay love story about high school kids. And it's really cute. And I'm really excited to watch the show. My kids already watched it all. Came out on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> and Susie, what are you into? Ooh, yeah. So those who might not know or who might not have been at uh, yesterday's live stream or episode what not, what have you? Both. <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 oh, I'm trying to keep it straight. It's been a week, y'all. It's been a week. <laughs> But they will know that I've been I've started watching the assassination of Johnny B because I'm not going to say the last name because I'm going to say it wrong. Yeah, I'm doing my homework. Yeah, <laughs> being, being a good student. And I like I remember you said that you really liked episode four. And actually, the reason I'm going to br- expose myself, the reason why I was a little bit late to today's recording. It's because I started, like, I just started episode four, and I was gripped. And I was like, oh, no. Was, and then I looked at the time, and I was like, oh, no, I have to record. <laughs> no. Like, okay, we're going to come back to you later. I got to go. Uh, yes, but I'm glad you're doing your homework. If people don't know, and if people haven't listened to it, it's our most, it's one of our most popular episodes right now. Uh, as far as the newer ones in the past couple of weeks. We, for Ratchet, I yelled at my Finn crew because... My friend Whitlock crew had not seen the assassination of Gianni Versace, a role that he was nominated for. And so I gave them a hard time for that. And I said that was their homework. They had to go watch that. And Susie is completing her homework. But that's a really, really good show. I honestly, it's so good. And Darren Chris is flipping phenomenal. That That performance. In this show, it's just been like, oh, yes, oh, you unnerved me, but I want to see more. (laughs) Yeah, just, just wait, just wait. So, okay, so what I'm into is yesterday I I was gonna watch the Batman, and I still have not watched the Batman, which is very weird because I don't know how much I love Batman, but instead I watched Captive Audience, which is a true crime Mm -hmm. docuseries on Hulu. It's three episodes. And it's all about um, the Stainer family. And if you don't know who these people are, back in the mid-70s or early 70s, Steve Stainer was seven years old and he was kidnapped. And seven years later, he escaped, rescued this other boy that was kidnapped with him, got reunited. And then there was a TV movie later that was made called I Know My First Name is Steven. Tragically, Steve Stainer died because he was hit uh, he was riding his motorcycle and there was a hit and run and he died but the other side of this is his brother his older brother carrie stainer was the man who murdered four women in yellowstone so it's examining this family that has this horrible tragedy happen and then they end up having another tragedy of a different sort so it's just it's really interesting it's fascinating it's sad, but uh, I highly recommend that. So that's on Hulu. Okay. 
So now let's get into this show, 911, <laughs> which I still think Ryan Murphy decided to do this. Yes, I know he created it with two other people. I know. But they also work on American Horror Story. So they all are trying to make amends for all the torture they have put viewers through <laughs> when they would like a character. And then they go, okay, well, they're going to meet a murderous, torturous end. It's going to be super violent and bloody. So instead, with this one, you're following firefighters and police officers, mainly and 911 dispatchers. But a lot of it's following the firefighters of the 118. And they're put in danger, but you know that they will most likely survive. So this is to make up for it. And it's super cheesy. Some of the cheesiest lines you will ever hear <laughs> in any show are in this show. <laughs> I'm serious. I, sometimes I listen, I'm like, oh my God. This tells me that you haven't watched Criminal Minds because David Rossi has the corniest <laughs> lines of any character ever on any television That's show. That's true. He, it's it's, true. It's, it's, he's like a walking dad joke. And I... I haven't watched Criminal Minds, no. <laughs> but I mean, some of the lines in here, I just yeah. have to chuckle because, yeah. So we're going to start with just talking about three max um, of your favorite episodes or calls. It can be just a call that you think is, because some of these calls are wacky. And I really want my sister to watch this because I want her to tell me how unrealistic this show is because that's probably what she'll do because she's in the medical field. And every time she watches these shows, she's like, oh my God, this stuff is such bullshit. <laughs> but she interacts with firefighters all the time. She interacts with firefighters all the time because that's one of the most realistic things in here from knowing from actually I've known firefighters and from hearing from my sister is firefighters nine times out of 10, they're not fighting fires. I mean, there are some fires in here, but they're usually not doing that. They're usually serving as paramedics. And that's why a lot of people in hospitals, my sister told me that work in hospitals, marry firefighters because they see each other all the time. <laughs> so yeah. So my sister used to get very excited when the firefighters would come in when she was working at the hospital. So yeah. So Carla, what are three of your favorite calls or episodes? Most of these are going to be in season two, because I think that's probably my favorite season. I I don't know why, but even though Maddie's in it and Eddie's in it, it's still probably my favorite season. But uh, the first favorite is Hen Begins. I, I love how we go from seeing her just not really be herself and trying to mold herself into, you know, contort herself into this acceptable version of of um, a professional woman to finding her, her calling and then pursuing it just with absolute passion and force. And then she succeeds at it and is dumped into this house where she's treated like absolute crap. And she's having such a hard time, but then she's lifted up by chimney and by athena and it, it's it says a lot about what it is to be a a lesbian a black woman just an outsider in so many ways in this boys club that can often be um first responder everything i've had friends who are firefighters who are women and you know they, they go through the, through the same training and they put in all of this work and all of this effort just to start the profession 
being treated like absolute crap for no reason other than they're not straight white men. And she succeeds because of course she does, because she, first of all, she ends up having support from people who really are wonderful, but then also because she's hen and she will not be put down by anybody. And the the way that, that she stands up for herself towards the end of that episode, it, it just, it, it uh, gives me goosebumps and it puts tears in my eyes because it's just so beautiful and hen is amazing. The second episode is Chimney Begins. And that's because he's, you know, he's such a, he's such a force, you know, like he, he has like this, this huge presence and I, I just, I love so much about him, even though in so many ways he fights against who he is, you know, he keeps uh, making up these stories about, you know, to, to make himself look better. And it's like, you're amazing just as you are. And it takes him forever to learn that. But when you get to, oh, like, I, I'm getting teary just thinking about when he and Kevin are on that rooftop and he loses Kevin and, oh, my God. Because he, he he's the kind of person who really latches on to his people, like whoever his people are, his, his family, his chosen family. And pretty much he just has chosen family because his dad is a piece of crap. And his mom passed away. So he's, oh, my God. But, you know, it's it's hard when you not only lose pretty much your best friend, but then also his family kind of backs away from you because it's too painful to be around you. And yeah, his mom, um, Kevin's mom does come back and say, we just need a little bit of time. But still, that's got to be really hard to hear that these people who have taken you in and basically raised you, that they find it too difficult to be around you right now. And yet he perseveres and not only that but he grows and thrives and continues to be just a ray of sunshine my favorite call in the entire show is in um, the episode book uh, book actually and it's a story of thomas and mitchell and how they you know you, you start out the scene and it's these two elderly men and they're putting in um a picture into their their journal of their adventures of having fallen in love and living together and it is a, a a master class in editing and in making you really invested in characters who are not going to be on a, on an episode very long like the entirety of their being on the show is what like maybe five minutes but in that five minutes you fall absolutely in love with these two characters and you watch their journey as they meet as they're dating and moving in together and and all of the everything that they're facing as gay men um just not hiding themselves from the world and then the 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 tragic way in which they die and they die within minutes of each other oh my god and i i know that that it's you know one of these calls in which Buck learns a life lesson that he can apply to his own um, existence in life and whatever, which most of these calls are. It's just kind of like designed in parallel to kind of like, like with Buffy, <laughs> how so many of the 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 things where she goes and stabs a vampire or whatever, whatever case she's working on has something to do with her own life. It's a parallel. And it, it it's just like this, but they stand out in my mind and have stood out in my mind this entire 
show. And this was an episode in, like, I think middle of season two. And yet it is the, the call that I remember the most every single time that I think of this show. And it, it's also just, it, it's so beautifully done. Like, I, I just can't get over how beautifully executed that was. And I don't think that, that there are other shows that really have mastered that. And I, like, I'm just like, oh my god, I'm gonna, before I start sobbing, I'm just gonna stop. <laughs> uh, and and when I was doing some research, brief research, the, the highest rated season is season two. Huh. So it makes sense that that would be your favorite season. Oh, go figure. It's the one that has the highest rated. Yeah, just to let you know, yeah. So Meg, what are three of your favorite episodes or calls? Yeah, Ryan Murphy tortures you in different ways, I think, with 911 than he does in a lot of his other shows. Because like Carla is saying, you get really invested in a lot of these characters. And first of all, first few seasons I started watching the show, I was waiting for someone to die because it's a firefighter and rescue show. And I had watched Chicago Fire and, and all of these other shows that it's dangerous. And they're like, oh, no, they're just going to be real close to dying. Chimney getting a rebar through his skull and still alive. It's a different kind of torture. But aside from, honestly, all of the Begins episodes, I really love seeing the backstory for these characters. And I think it's done in a really interesting way. Buck Begins is probably one of my favorites of all of them because I just, I adore Buck. And seeing so much of why Maddie is the way she is, why his relationship with his parents are the way they are and how heartbreaking that whole situation is for him and why he has so many abandonment issues. I think it was really, really, it's great. The tsunami episodes. Those are my favorites. I, those are the ones that I will watch just over and over again. Um, Oliver Stark was so good and i can't remember the actor's name who plays christopher but holy moly gavin, gavin something <laughs> gavin McHugh. uh gavin McHugh and oliver stark are just are so good in this episode i really do like all of the big disaster episodes um because i don't know why because they're fun um but the tsunami one i just seeing how buck's going through so much of his own personal stuff. He's got injured. He can't be a firefighter right now. And how hard he fights to save other people. And you understand that this really, it's not hyperbole when he talks about like, this is what he is meant to do. He was meant to be a firefighter. You see that during the tsunami and his panic when he loses Christopher is just like, it's like, and when he has to tell Eddie and he's trying to avoid telling Eddie that he lost his son, like it just, it breaks my heart all over the place into a, a thousand pieces. And I think another one of my favorites is probably Jinxed. Yeah. It's just, it's one of the funnier, more lighthearted ones. And especially when you're looking at stuff like you, when you learn about like Bobby Begins or when they're dosed and things like that. And you, and there's some really heavy character stuff like Bobby's history is heartbreaking. But then when it's balanced really well with things like Jinxed where someone said quiet and then they're all <laughs> <laughs> stupid calls, they all get trapped in the fire in the fire truck and how embarrassing it is that they have to get rescued by another firehouse. And it's just it's 
it's fun. I really like all the character episodes a lot, though, and Tsunami. So I I could just keep talking. I love them all. (laughs) Yeah, and and just to let you know, since my sister does work in healthcare, she will confirm that stuff is true. Like when people say that, all of a sudden, I mean, she, she doesn't work in a hospital anymore, but she did for a long time. And she said, you never say that because mm-hmm. that'll happen. And also full moon, that's a real thing. She said, yeah. when there is a full moon, it gets nuts and you get the weirdest things happening. Oh so, my God, the full moon episode. <laughs> that was that to me was like Ryan Murphy's like, okay, I've got to do something Ryan Murphy-esque. So I'm going to do this <laughs> <laughs> and I think there's a couple other things too, but he he tries to throw in the actual real like. But weird. Buck and Buck and Bobby trying to like deliver all these babies. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. And the tiger one, anyway. Okay. <laughs> Susie, what are three of your favorites? They all got taken. There's no reason for me to be here. I'm out. <laughs> you can listen. <laughs> Cool, so we can talk some more? (laughs) Seriously. I have like eight more. (laughs) You stop. No, but I really I really like the like the jinx episode. Just it oh I think in any profession, like my belief is that in any profession, no matter what, once you say the Q word, it goes down. Cause like even even I think especially working retail. Like whenever any one of my coworkers said the Q word, we would just have apparently like buses of people would drive up unbeknownst to us and just deposit all like 50 humans who were not there before is what it really feels like. <laughs> it's just, yeah. So just like word of warning for anyone, just never say the Q word. Just, just never. You're just inviting like the little like like disaster um, gremlins to just mess things up and be like, and just cause chaos. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, chimneys up. Chimney begins. Oh, it's another one of my favorites. Just like his story with with Kevin, and I always cry like when he loses him. I cry like a like a gosh darn baby. I mean, I cry enough as it is, but I just I especially cry during that. Like I can't. Can't help it. It's just, mm. oh, I love Chimney so much. I want to give him the world. Yes. Just all the hugs, all the hot cocoa, all the things <laughs> every day. Okay, so I'm like stuck between two. Let me see. Which one am I going to go with? I think, oh, the don't drug your firefighters. I'm going to go with that one. <laughs> it's just, it's so funny. To just see. Like, it's bad, but it's funny to see. <laughs> just, I just died. Just Buck and Eddie, just high out of their minds at like a toddler's and tiara's pageant. And they're like, did we become giants? Why do you shrink? Look at them and hand going, Athena, you're just you're radiating love. <laughs> and Howie's like the like him and Athena are just like the two unjugged people in the room. Like, what is going on? Guys, we're on call. And they're like, I see colors. They're so freaked out by the little beauty. <laughs> the little beauty. Oh, I can't stop laughing every time when I think Athena's putting Eddie in handcuffs. <laughs> and Buck just goes, ooh, you made him cry. 
like like Papa Bobby was gonna come out of nowhere and be like, "What are you doing to my firefighters?" <laughs> it cracks me up so much. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna echo this. I mean, we've all mentioned it, but Chimney Begins is, I think, my favorite of the Begins ones because I love Chimney so much. Who he is, in my opinion, the sexiest of all the firefighters. He is so dang sexy and fully agree. And he's really sexy because his personality makes him even more attractive. He's attractive anyway, but his personality on top of that makes him even sexier. So I I, I love that episode. Um, I love when they have the blackout, when, you know, like everything becomes a blackout. And then like when all the zoo animals are on the loose. <laughs> I love that so dang much. It's so funny. <laughs> and so I, I love that episode a lot, a lot. Because I just crack up when you see that. And then playing Welcome to the Jungle over that is perfection. And then, of course, with those series, you also have the weirdest, creepiest stuff that's ever been in this show so far. With the serial rapist Mm -hmm. who escaped and all that stuff. And he's got, like, his cult-type followers. I'm like, this is the most Ryan Murphy thing I've ever seen in this show. But I kind of like that stuff <laughs> a lot. That's why I continue to watch Ryan Murphy stuff. So that 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 to me is just everything because it's like funny, and then it's also got heartwarming moments, like when the person with the solar panels, which again plays into the fact that we need more solar power stuff. You know, hello, we just had Earth Day, and when she's able to, you know, do the extension cords and be able to save. That her neighbor's son, who they've lost power in the battery, has died as well. So I liked that as a lot. I like Mary Xmas because Bobby proposes to Athena, and I thought that was so sweet and cute. And I love Bobby and Athena, and I, I just I love Peter Krauser. I mean, I just adore that man. We're gonna be talking about Six Feet Under later this year. Meg's gonna be on that one, and I love that show so much. So even though I'm very mixed on his character. (laughs) I still love the show. So I'm excited to talk about him more. And I just adore him in this. And it's funny. I want to make a confession. When I was first watching this show for this, when I first started binging it, I was like, oh, really? They wait a couple episodes in to show us Bobby's family. And I didn't realize at the time that his family was dead. (laughs) And I felt like the worst person in the world when I found out his family had died in such a horrible and tragic way. So I'm just. I remember when you that. posted that, yes. Carla and I were just like, <laughs> "No, to be honest, you notice that we didn't respond, right?" To be honest, when I first watched the show, I was like that too. I was like, "We get references to like how private he is. Is he just hiding his family on purpose?" I know. I and felt then, so. Oh no. Oh no! And I'm like, oh wow, okay, never mind. Sorry, sorry, I take that back. <laughs> him, him, like when he's sitting at the table with the play settings for his family, and he'd been drinking. Oh my god! Yeah, crazy. that's why. That's why at first, you know, when he had, I know, I was like, oh my god, why they just want to hide his family? Are we ever going to see his wife? And then I'm like, oh my god, I'm the worst person in the world. Uh, <laughs> You just so, see the kid yeah. at the table, and I'm like, oh, so he's divorced then. That's why. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> it's not that. And then he's by himself. <laughs> and he's like, oh, is his family a ghost? And then they are. They are ghosts. <laughs> I know. I 
just like, okay. And I also want to say really quickly for, I forgot to mention this. I'm just going to mention this really quickly because even though I do not like Maddie and I feel bad for not liking Maddie, honestly, because of the stuff that she's put through, I do think the fight or flight episode is actually really good mm-hmm. when she ends up killing her, Amazing um, her ex has, well, her ex-husband trying to divorce him who was domestically abusing her. And that's where the domestic violence trigger warning comes in because it was like the first time that you really see her not just doing flight and she's actually fighting for herself. And the guy who played her husband is so good and super creepy. And I liked how it really didn't shy away from showing how awful the domestic violence is and how easy it is for women to, um, you know, how hard it is, I mean, for women to leave those situations because so often people say, just leave. Mm-hmm. So I liked how honest and real that episode was. So I just wanted to say that because I don't like Maddie at all. Fun fact, that actually is Jennifer Love Hewitt's husband. They're actually oh, married really? in real life. So I can't imagine Whoa, the psychological shit that you would have yes. to like, the the wow. the stuff you'd have to go through as a married couple to be able to put yourselves in that space. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. Wow. Yeah, well, they're, really they're actually that. married and it's just and I I guess wow. it says a lot about their her trust. I I guess because that's yeah. a really really dark place. And his too, because his, he yeah. has to. Because that's got to be weird to be like I am pretending to beat the beat my wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm trying to kill my wife. That's really wow. Okay, that's well. Now I have a lot different feeling on that. It's a different kind of date such. night, you know. We all yeah, do things right? a different way, but well, and I and I to what Bex is saying. That you could feel safe, but I think it's so much harder to compartmentalize because it's like it, one is your job and one is your your personal life, and I think for me it would be much more difficult to put myself in that place with my husband because I always want to feel safe. I don't ever want to see what that could look like from my actual spouse, so I couldn't do it. But yeah, it's. Yeah, but that's her actual husband. They they met on a different show. So it puts a whole wow. other twist on that whole storyline. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> wow, that's that's good to know though. So thank yeah. you. Um, okay. Well now I wanna know, like I said, this will be hard, what your three favorite characters are, Carla. It's incredibly hard because um I can't just say all of them. Well, that, that wouldn't even be true because, you know, Maddie and Eddie say, are, are kind of... <laughs> Basically, everybody but Maddie and Eddie. So uh, let's start there. But my my favorite is probably Hen. I, I really like how she is very human. You know, she makes mistakes, but she owns up to them. And she works hard to uh, to earn trust and forgiveness she is also incredibly determined, like so determined. I, I I think she is of everybody on the show, the most determined person there is because I, you know, having to, to deal with um, all of the racism, sexism, homophobia that she does, and not only still give everything her all, but then even reach 
even higher constantly and consistently just amazes me um she's also such a good mom when she's not sleeping with her exes she's a great wife she's a (laughs) she's a fantastic friend i I just i feel like i want to be hen when i grow up she's just so great minus Um, the cheating thing (laughs) minus the cheating thing you know like none of us can be perfect you know yeah Uh, the second but very close second is chimney because he's just god you know he's he's hot so let's start there that's the easiest part to say he is super hot when i first saw him i was like who is that you know i was like yeah there's buck and then there's bobby and whatever but who is this guy tell me more about him and i i like that he's come so far because he he really felt down about himself and he um, he masked his insecurities by lying about who he was to this this woman that, that he was dating. He embellishes things about himself. But then he really comes to accept himself for everything that he is because he's a great person. And I really, I, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, it's a TV show. So it's not like, oh my God, the serendipity of Hen and Jim finding each other and becoming besties. It's It was written that way. But still, you know, like in world is... The, the the fortune of them being brought together to make an amazing team in the field, but also as friends, because they really bring out the best in each other and they help each other tremendously. They guide each other and they have each other's backs in a way that is just so beautiful to watch. And he, you know, like once, once the baby's born and he's daddy chimney and he's so cute with his baby. <sighs> All right. So I get, I get that Jennifer Love Hewitt had to go on maternity leave and that's why they wrote her out for a bit like they did. And then they decided, okay, well, there's no way that Chimney wouldn't go after her. Fair, he absolutely would. But we couldn't have seen any of this, you know, like just because we can't see her because she's on mat leave, suddenly we can't see Chimney either. What the hell is that? It. it I really felt his absence when he was gone all of those episodes for such a huge part of this past season because he really he brings so much to the show and he's just so wonderful and amazing and and it it really made me mad at the way that they that they wrote that i i just I, i don't see how they couldn't have had him on more but you know whatever i'm not a producer or anything I'll talk to Ryan and let him know how you oh, feel. Please do. <laughs> have a, have still, a chat with him. He's over there. Yeah. He was still just, in all of the episodes. We just didn't get to see him. And not seeing him with the 118 was It's It's weird. And it feels off. I just, I didn't like it. But, and okay, so, you know, there, there's Buck and Bobby and Athena and all these wonderful people. But I know that they're, like I said, everybody but Maddie and Eddie are my favorite. So I'm going to focus on somebody who I feel deserves much more of a story and screen time than she gets, which is Carla. Because, and not just because she has an awesome name. But (laughs) (laughs) it's not just because her name is fan-freaking-tastic. But also because she, she's like the glue in so many things. She is the person who is holding Eddie's little family together, who is making it possible for Eddie to do what he does, who was making it possible for Abby 
to to have a life and who helped facilitate the Abby and Buck relationship. And she seems to be like a kind of a big deal in their lives, but her entire presence is downplayed severely. And I don't, I don't get why. Why would you? Um, I mean, Josh had more of a storyline than Carla ever has, you know. And nothing against Josh; he's perfectly good as a side character. But how does he merit so much more screen time and dialogue and? backstory and side story than Carla who is the reason that that um, Eddie can keep doing what he does so when when Buck suggested her to help Eddie I was really excited because I was like okay we'll see more of her and then no it's like we just see her being a domestic helper and then giggling and laughing off it's and going off and that's like tell us more about this woman who seems like a really wonderful person so like Mm -hmm. that and you know of course she's in a caretaker role she's a black woman so like i feel like "Ah, kind of goes plays into it with like the whole you know um mammification that shows often do with with black women in particular non-white women in general so it really bothers me so i'm just here to take a stand for Carla and to demand more screen time for her and a an interesting arch for her because I, I really and it's it's not just all of that but I really think that the um, actress who plays her Coco Brown I think she's so good like I, I really I just feel like there are more layers to this character than what we get and it's really a shame that that all we really see of her is those minute and a half interactions. We only get those interactions to help further Eddie or Buck's story. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I uh, and Bex's top three are, <laughs> and Jimmy and Eddie. Uh, no, a lot of people like Eddie. When I have to say, when I was looking at IMDb of recent episodes, the biggest complaint was there wasn't enough Eddie. I, I don't I that's my least I favorite character in the show but I'll tell you there is like giant splits within the 911 fandom people either adore Eddie or they absolutely hate him there is very very little middle ground yeah that doesn't Aaron A says love an origins episode for Carla yeah I agree I agree Carla so. begins and I could help write it <laughs> <laughs> I will talk to Ryan please do <laughs> Maybe maybe I could have him talk to Christian and then they can come up with something together. <laughs> well, I mean, because Christian lives here and Ryan lives there. I don't think they've ever worked together, so that would be interesting. Oh, they will now. <laughs> okay, so Meg, who are three of your favorites? Okay, I'm going to just second everything that Carla said, so I'll, I will pick three other characters, but I completely agree. Chim, Hen, Carla are all fantastic characters. I adore Chimney so much because he is super hot. And Dad Chimney is somehow hotter. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Um, but I'm going to go with Buck. Uh, I, I just love Buck. I love his storyline. I love how much he's grown. Carla and I have talked on our podcast a lot about how Buck is an unbaked cookie. Um, and he's cooking. He's baking. He's <laughs> Susie is about to die. <laughs> <laughs> 
but I just I I love to see how much he's grown up. He was so obnoxious in the beginning, and I think that's part of why I don't watch season one as much mm. because he was so buck. But I love how he's, and I love, he's still a giant dork who calls himself Buck 2.0 and Buck 3.0. Like, but his character growth, growth has been really fun to watch. He's watching him take on um, a more fatherly role with Christopher. Like, yeah. I could honestly, I could watch Buck and Christopher together just all the time. I think they're they're very very cute together and I and I love that ever since the tsunami episode especially mm-hmm. um Buck is the one Christopher calls when something is going wrong or he's scared for his dad or of his dad which we saw in one of the most recent episodes which mm-hmm. so yeah, I just I love him. I think Oliver Stark does a really really good job in that role and I'm I'm picking these because Carla took other ones uh Bobby I love Bobby I love his backstory I love how tragic it is I love how angsty it is I am here to sink my teeth into like the really painful angsty storylines which is part of like when you learn about what happened to Buck that he was born just to be basically a donor for his brother and how that must mess up his brain so much I just it, it makes so many of his actions so much more understandable. But then when you see with Bobby and losing his whole family and how he has to be dealing and growing with that guilt, I love to see how much he's grown and how much he's finally allowed himself to be happy and have this family while also recognizing that Michael is the dad, but still embracing his role as a stepdad and never trying to seemingly replace his children with Athena's kids like they that family blended together so beautifully and I really loved watching that and I loved watching um Bobby go from basically drinking himself to death out of guilt and shame and keeping a note of how many people he saved until he can finally unalive himself basically and one of my favorite moments for him honestly was he found out that he had the golden arm and he hates needles, but he can save so many lives. And I was like, that's the perfect balance for Bobby, being able to save lives and still in his mind an atonement because he doesn't like needles. And it's like a very gentle punishment for him to have to get his blood drawn every few weeks. <laughs> but I just, I I love them so much. Um, another, and Athena, like she's just... yeah. I have so such mixed feelings because I love Angela Bassett. She is amazing. Like, she's fantastic, and I love Athena, and I think she's great. One of my favorite episodes, though, was when May was talking about how conflicted she is having a mom who is a cop. Mm-hmm. And the romanticism or the copaganda and stuff that goes on. And and I love watching that dynamic between May and Athena and Athena trying to not justify necessarily, but explain why she's a police officer, why she chooses to do that. And then May always challenging her on that. And I, and I like to watch that. I just love the Nash Grant family, I guess as a whole. But yeah, I just, I, 
I just think they're great. I, and I love Bobby and Athena together. It was a couple I did not see coming, but I, I fell in love with immediately. Yeah. It's funny because my mom, I, I told my mom to watch this show because it's the, this and the normal heart are the only things of Ryan Murphy's pretty much that I can recommend to my mom. <laughs> and my mom was like, I can't stand Buck. He's so stupid and annoying and he's such an ass. And my mom does. And I don't know if her feeling has changed. I haven't asked her because I said, well, he'll grow on. He might grow on you. So I don't know if that's changed at all for her. So I'll have to ask my mom about that. But um, but yeah, I, I think Buck has been evolving since the first season. So yeah, I'm not going to say much on him when it, when it gets to mind, just because we're going to be talking about that in, in a little bit. And we're going to talk about the copaganda in a little bit too. So Susie, who are your three favorites? They're going to be repeats, I'll be honest. <laughs> That's fine. I, I'm going to repeat like, them. Like it's been said before, I really like Chimney. Like he's... Like, like, like it was mentioned, like Chimney Begins is just, oh, like one of my favorite episodes. And I love this man so much. And let me tell you, his acting is always phenomenal, especially in Home and Away, which is the fourth episode of season five, when he talks to um, the doctor that Maddie went to go see when she took Ji Yun. And he's like, please tell me. And just the impassioned speech that he gives and... And it's so moving and beautiful and just heartbreaking. And you're like, Kenneth Joy, plays the chimney. I'm like, I love you, sir. You did. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. And just, oh, I just love this man. He, him and, uh, well, my other favorite character, um, Buck. I feel so bad for those two because it seems like the writers just really want to treat him as punching bags. <laughs> They're like, yes. what's the worst we can throw at them? Let's <laughs> see if they make it through. It's like, no, you, you stop hurting my favorites. I'm going to put you in a timeout. This is not nice. <laughs> it's, yeah, like I said, I really like Buck. I didn't expect to like Buck because, well, like, you start out the, the series and he just, he, he's, He's, he's kind of a fuckboy. <laughs> and I remember watching it and I was like, oh, like the first impression was like, I do not like this man. I do not expect to like this man. And I will stew in that until <laughs> until probably the show ends. And I'm firm in my opinions. And then they kept going and I was like, God damn it. Like at a certain point, I found myself calling him, my son, no, <laughs> don't hurt him. Little baby buckaroo, <laughs> my boy. Yeah, and for me, it was really surprised. It's like it really like how I went. I find it interesting how I went from really just liking his character to being like, I will die for this man. Him and Jimmy, <laughs> they're my ride or dies. <laughs> I will keep them as safe as I can, separating them. But another and like another character that. I, found myself really liking is may um athena's daughter Mm -hmm. i just i like i really like seeing her progression and how much she's she's grown and matured and changed like like the first big storyline that we get from her is when she tries to commit suicide because of bullying from a girl at her school and like then the subsequent of her like dealing with that and i really like how kind of like they bring it almost full circle in a way where 
in season five, she's dealing with like someone who's kind of a little bit of a workplace bully. And everyone tells her like, oh, do you want us to handle it? Do you want us to take care of this for you? And she's like, no, I'm going to handle this myself because I can deal with things like this now. And I know that I can. And I'm just going to do my best. And she's not my boss. So whatever happens, it happens. And I just really like seeing her her growth throughout the series and how much she's kind of come into her own. And as a, especially as an M1 operator, which is really in opposition with her mother's plans for her. And she's like, no, this is what I'm going to do. I know you wanted other things for me, but this is what I want. And it's also really sweet to see how she's like, I'm seeing a therapist. I'm talking to people. I'm making sure that this job doesn't get to me so that I can mm-hmm. be present and do my best at this job. And just in general, I really like seeing the seeing storylines with the operators. Yeah, the show is mainly about the 118, but I really do like seeing like the other the other sides of it. I think it's really nice to see that. Yeah, and that's got to be super stressful to do that part of that job oh, too. Yeah. I mean, all of these jobs have to be super stressful. Yeah, definitely because of, you know, all the their high stress jobs. Uh, well, my three favorites, I'm going to give a shout out to Michael because Athena's ex, because when this show first started, <laughs> I was very hesitant about this storyline uh, because what happens, of course, is Michael comes out later in life and Athena and him are getting a divorce. And the reason I was hesitant is the way it was kind of set up in season one is there was, which is understandable that Athena would be angry. I'm not saying that's not understandable. But the way they presented it, I was so worried they were going to turn Michael into like a villain or turn this into a thing where they'd be constantly fighting and arguing. And I'm so glad that didn't happen and that Michael actually, you know, and Athena, that Michael and Athena have a really good relationship. I think they're like best friends. Mm -hmm. And so I love that. And Michael, Michael is so sweet and I think at times insecure, but just he has such a great heart. And I'm so glad that he did not die from the cancer from the brain cancer when he got that Mm -hmm. i was like seriously you're gonna kill him i'm gonna be so flipping pissed if you kill him and i was so glad that didn't happen and i love him and bobby together their relationship their friendship is so cute and even though it turns out that the guy was doing something wrong but the episode when michael starts spying on the people across (laughs) the way and then he finds (laughs) he's like i know this guy's up to no good and Bobby was supposed to go there and make Michael stop doing that. And instead, Bobby gets all involved in it. And Michael's boyfriend, who's a brain surgeon, is like, what the hell, guys? And they're like, just keep a lookout. We're going to go across. We're going to rummage through the, the trash can. That feels I like the like- most Ryan Murphy episode <laughs> for me. Really? Because <laughs> it's so weird to me. It's Rear Window. Well, what, yeah. what the, the back alley, like, plastic surgery? <laughs> Once you find out what he's doing, before that, it was just really funny to me, and it was just really amusing to watch. And then when you find out there was actually something, there was a part of me that was kind of like, I kind of hope there actually isn't anything weird going on, and they're just being really funny together. But I just like their relationship. They, uh, you know, they have this real camaraderie, and, you know, there are times when it gets contentious, like... Michael was feeling very jealous and insecure because Bobby is the cool guy. And so his kids really admire him and look up to him. And his son's like, I want to be a firefighter. I'm a cool guy. Yeah. So that, 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 so you see that and that's very honest and real, you know? So yeah, I just, I just, I love their friendship. So 
Bobby is my is another one of my favorites, of course, because of you know the performance is so good. The fact that you see him evolve, and I'm glad that the storyline of him keeping notes and track of all the people that he saved to make up for his family and the other people that died in that fire. I'm glad that that got resolved and that that didn't become a through line because I think it could have gotten to a point where he became such a tragic character that you kind of just couldn't feel for him anymore, if that makes sense. And I think that's part of probably my issue with Maddie is that kind of thing, is that Maddie is such a tragic character and I feel bad for not feeling worse for her because she's been through such hell. But I think because she is presented in that light, it's harder to root for her for some reason. And then, with, but with Bobby, it's like Bobby has overcome so much and he is like, this is really kind of an exaggeration here, but he's like a phoenix from the ashes almost in a way. And so he's so great to watch. And especially with Michael, because you get to see this playful side to him because he has so much responsibility on his shoulders and he's always trying to be in control and with them, they just kind of get into hijinks. Like, I would be fine with a spinoff, just Michael and Bobby's hijinks. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think it'd be funny. They start a detective agency. <laughs> because that's the other thing I love about Bobby, is especially since he married Athena, he is so into detective stuff. He always wants to solve crimes. And I don't remember which one it was when, it, oh, oh. And then he also wants to find, when he's trying to find the treasure and he's got that whole map oh, yeah. built out and he's doing all that kind of stuff. But there was some other one where he was trying to solve a mystery and I wish I could remember. And it was so funny because he was so cute. And you can tell Athena's kind of like, uh, she's just shaking her head. <laughs> like you're acting like a child, but it's so cute. It's so adorable. I love it. And I won't say much more about him, but um, but Chimney, of course. Chimney is one of my absolute all-time favorites. So, yes. And Bex and Aaron agree about Michael and Bobby. So, yeah, I just I, – I love their relationship together so much. I would. I'd love to see a little spinoff there. Little little just a web webisodes. They could do like – hey, Ryan, you could do like little webisode episodes, webisode episodes of, you know, just Michael and Bobby having adventures and <laughs> – <laughs> spying on neighbors <laughs> it's so funny because i'm so used to oh, what's his name like rockland uh, rockman dunbar i'm so used to seeing him in like prison break and these really kind of darker more dramatic roles and then to see him be so goofy with with peter krause and in, in the show was really really fun but he really nailed like when he was the camping trip with him and bobby i think was yes. such a great moment in their relationship because at this point michael's fairly certain he's going to die and mm. the reason he brings bobby is so that bobby knows what's so important for him to tell uh his son and i just and it just made me it gets me all emo see i'm here i'm here for all the pain like the <laughs> Then you know he would like the other the other Ryan Murphy shows. <laughs> he takes all your favorite characters and he tortures them in ways you wouldn't believe. So, look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? 
Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Well, I do want to talk about the copaganda, uh, because I do think that's important to talk about this, because you have Athena, uh, who is cop she's not a i don't know how the rankings work she's like a how high is she she's a a field sergeant (laughs) thank you i'm like she's not a sheriff (laughs) (laughs) no she's not a sheriff (laughs) she doesn't even want to be a lieutenant because she doesn't want to be behind the desk (laughs) yeah yeah and she's and you know if, if you don't know Angela Bassett is a Ryan Murphy staple. She made her debut, and I'm currently watching it now, so it's so interesting to watch this and then was watching this at the same time. But she made her debut in a Ryan Murphy project in American Horror Story Coven, which is the third season. But she's been in a lot of Ryan Murphy stuff. A lot of people say, you know, they loved working together so much, so this was kind of created as a vehicle for her, is what some people have said. But so she's become a staple of that. And I just want to examine that because I think there is some propaganda in this show. So, Carla, what are your thoughts on that? There definitely is. There's so much of of Athena's being awesome and butt kicking and admirable comes from her overstepping her uh, her role. And from doing things outside of the quote-unquote law, where she she utilizes resources that aren't available to her um, by, you know, going around things. And it, yeah, like, obviously, if your friend goes missing, then you, you do want to have somebody find a way to track the phone number of the person that you're pretty sure kidnapped them. Like, I get that. But when her daughter is being bullied at school, the way that she goes about kind of, uh, the the way that she goes about things is just not okay. It's absolutely not okay. She way oversteps everything because yes, her child is being bullied and that's awful and it shouldn't be happening. But at the same time, this is still a child that she is trying to throw everything at. It doesn't help anybody in the situation because then she just makes may more of a pariah and it makes um it, it puts her job on the line it was just ridiculous and there's so many times when she uses her badge to kind of bully people and to get them to do things her way and it, it's just wrong it's wrong and so often the reason that the that cop shows and procedurals are like a bit skeevy is because they present this skirting of what a police is supposed to do that it gets presented as admirable when it's really just awful it's it's um violating people's rights it's hurting people and it's often to prove your your hypothesis of what's happening. It's, it's to prove somebody's guilt, not to pursue the truth. So Athena often decides that this is what's happening and goes off in pursuit of proof of that, ignoring everything else and putting 
people in danger, putting herself in danger, and violating rights. And it it grosses me out. And like, I love Athena for many reasons. None of them have anything to do with her job. Yeah. Meg? Yeah, I, I completely agree. And this is actually, Carl and I have had this conversation <laughs> before. Where when you watch procedurals, and I'm so grateful, honestly, that Athena is really the only police officer that we spend any time with in this, that it follows mostly the fire department. Um, Because I think there's plenty of cop shows and I'm tired of them. But when you see so many procedurals and Athena, Athena is guilty of this also, where the police go by their own rules of justice and while you're watching and and this particular police officer that we're watching athena may have the best intentions except when she doesn't when she bullies that kid when she like doesn't even just bully this kid she terrorizes this kid yep and i understand she was coming from that place as a mother but when you have your uniform on you are a police officer you are not going for personal vendettas um and so much of it is presented as well she's going for justice not necessarily the letter of the law and crossing those boundaries are being seen is being seen as something heroic whereas it's not and when you look at real life when police cross those boundaries people die mm-hmm. and we're watching a character that we like that we are invested in and we know her in her thoughts but watching her do that doesn't it also means that other police officers are doing that and what, and what's their perception of what is true and what is correct. And I think it's a conversation that needs to continue happening. I appreciate that it's a conversation that does happen in the show, but it still shows Athena as part of the reason why she's such a good cop is because she goes outside of the bounds of her badge. And, and that's, wrong just because we like this character just because we think that she's a good character and angela bassett is amazing and we understand her reasonings for doing it doesn't make it better it doesn't make it okay for her to completely abuse her power as a police officer and we see that we see her do the exact same thing that was done to her family when Michael gets mm-hmm. pulled over and the gun is pulled on Harry and she gets so upset and we hear and her and May have this big confrontation about it. And she doesn't want May to post the video online because, you know, that it will just paint all bad cops as bad cops. And she follows through with the company line, which is so frustrating. Like you literally watched your children have a gun pulled on them for no mm-hmm. reason other than the fact that they were black people being pulled over by racist cops but then on the flip side when she does watch it and she she sees it she abuses her own power by pulling that same cop over and and breaking those same rules for her own personal reasons and it's just it it's it's frustrating like i love athena but the show is absolutely guilty of propaganda and i'm mostly just grateful that it doesn't follow any other police officers. I don't think I would watch this show if it leaned more towards the police officers. I'm here for firefighters. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Susie. Oh yeah. I don't have much else that I think that I can add, but I do absolutely agree with Megan Carla. The show is absolutely guilty of propaganda. I was about to say propaganda. So sorry. 
correct myself at the last moment. Um, the show is absolutely guilty of it. The thing that just, it feels so, like, weird about it is that when, like, when Athena is presented to us, she's she's presented as, like, a cop who likes to go, like, buy the book, doesn't doesn't really want to like just wants to do things that's like just and how they should be so when there are times that she does go and like stray from that and like abuses her power it does feel kind of like this this feels kind of a little bit off for athena like why i don't know it it it, it feels weird like when whenever these kind of like storylines are given to her and i feel like it really does her a disservice and i totally agree with meg like if we followed any other cops in the show i don't think i would watch because the main as much as i love athena the main drive for me is is this is a very different to like other procedural shows because yes it is about like first responders but it's it's more about the stories I feel are just better told in this in this TV show than in others, mm-hmm. and especially with the covering of like different topics. But yeah, it's just it's 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 just it's hard to watch when it does like go so far into that propaganda. You're like, oh, this is not. You're like, this is not what I came here for. This is I came here to escape a little bit and not be so entrenched in these horrors. But yeah. Yeah, and I think I think X makes an interesting poised, poised point, point here. I feel like they think it's okay because she's not a white man and she does this, and it's absolutely not. So I and I do think, like I don't think you like her partner, the the one who you know he has this throat slashed and stuff. You don't see him as much, and I think if they they probably were like, well, we're not going to show a lot of this stuff from his point of view because if we've got a white man doing, or even her lieutenant who is a white woman um so i think they probably yeah yeah that, i think that's that's a very good point yeah i don't have much more to add just ditto everything that meg carla and Susie have said it is kind of uh, it's kind of makes me feel queasy sometimes when you see athena do some things because i do love athena i love her so much but there are times where she does, she crosses that line. She hides behind something that a, a lot of shows that talk about cops and a lot of people who defend cops do this too. She hides behind her badge and she hides behind the fact that she said, well, I'm doing this for a good reason. So that justifies anything I do. And yet you'll see her if other people like firefighters, 118 or anyone is kind of just I don't know, doing something in a different way or kind of pushing something. She gets very upset about that. Yet she will do the same thing, but sometimes worse. And, you know, it's just, so it's interesting. Not interesting, isn't it? But it's, but it's so frustrating. And it's a problem that has existed for since TV began and since movies began is you have a lot of that, the, the propaganda and, and that, stuff of showing you know i mean you'll see sometimes you'll have like you have bad cops but a lot of times if you're following cops and they're one of the main characters you have to make them sympathetic in a way and you're not supposed to go against the grain there and and i don't know it's she's frustrating to me because i love her so much but then she does things that i'm like 
Oh boy. Uh, yeah. When she harasses that girl and then when she finds out, you know, that her daughter is talking to her again and the anger there. And I was just like, oh my gosh, what's she going to do? It's just that fear of yeah. well, how is she going to cross the line here? This is not okay. So yeah, it's, it's frustrating. One thing, to- sorry. One thing that makes this different from a lot of the other, the other characters is that you don't, there's no real growth in that, in that respect from her character. There's growth from her in many other respects, but when it comes to her job, none. There's not really a point of reckoning where she's like, wow, the way that I've been going about my job is really not okay. She just keeps doing it. Even into the current season, it's still, it's downplayed a bit, but it's it's still there. Like she she doesn't reflect on her methods. You know, she mm-hmm. may reflect on a particular moment and say, well, people are upset about this, so I shouldn't have done that. Not, my methods are not okay, and I should rethink what I'm doing as a police officer. Well, and I think also one of the things that's really messed up about it is when she does cross that line, she gets punished. She gets put on desk duty, which, great. But then you see the white cop who terrorizes her family, and they're like, well, nothing is probably going to happen to him, and nothing is going to... So, like... She's the only police officer who ever gets any consequences for abusing their power. And that I feel like is just gross in a completely different way. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, she doesn't reflect much on why she doesn't. She's always so busy justifying it that she doesn't reflect on it ever. Yeah, she has probably the least amount of growth, honestly, of most of these characters, which is really sad because I think... I think she's supposed to be like the second central, especially now. I think she's become more central as the seasons have gone on. So it is kind of, it's sad to to see that. This show is accused of queer baiting, of course, with Buck and Eddie, who they're known as Buddy. And uh, the current showrunner recently was in an article that really infuriated the fan base because she basically said, you're wrong. And what you're seeing is not, at all what we ever intended and we aren't putting any kind of hints in there of a queer romance so i want to talk about that and your thoughts on that because i know all three of you do all three of you ship these two i wasn't sure on you carla because i know meg okay if you had talked to me two months ago i would be that's what i have a much different attitude about it than i do now that article would have been like Mm. and then hardcore no okay 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 but uh so carla the what are your thoughts on the queer baiting and if they do that (laughs) they absolutely do it they absolutely do it and i had started to kind of fall off the the buddy wagon largely because ryan guzman does not have a lot of 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 he's not very good at his job And I don't really feel much of a chemistry because he's not very good at his job. Any chemistry between Eddie and Buck is because of Buck. And part of the reason that I'm not invested in Eddie with anybody else is because he has no charisma. But the ship itself, the show absolutely queerbaits. And they've done it from the time that Eddie came into the picture. Because they... 
they saw that people were like, oh, look at Buck and he's making eyes at Eddie, which he absolutely was. I mean, it's very clear, even if they paint it as jealousy when Eddie is the new hot guy and he's even hotter and more lean and more, you know, whatever. And the 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 way that the show tried to present it is that Buck is just jealous because of that. But the way that Buck is looking at Eddie is more like, wow. I'm mad that this guy is hotter than me, but also, wow. You know? And the show has done... Here's the thing. If you don't want to be accused of queer baiting, then don't freaking do it. And the the, the thing that a lot of shows do is that they, they, they do what they call winking at the audience. It's like, we acknowledge that you people ship our characters, so we're going to give you winking acknowledgments of that shipping but they're not actually gay for each other, which is just not what you do. If you don't want people to assume that you're presenting them as potential endgame, then don't play around with your audience. You just don't do that. The episode where the, the, that, um, that live stream episode that Susie was referring to earlier with the warm and everything, uh, but the the people watching the live stream were saying, oh, you know, like, these two seem to be together and blah, 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 and you know, whatever. It's, like, supposed to be just cute fan service. But then there are multiple occasions on which they are given storylines that would generally be given to characters that are a romantic pair that is blossoming or whatever. They, they do try to paint them as friends. And absolutely, there should be depictions of of male friendships because there aren't enough real depictions of just two guys bonding as friends that is not toxic. You know, so, so many depictions of, of male friendship have some form of toxicity where it's like dependent on the two guys being skeevy towards women or whatever. But it is entirely possible to create male friendship without attracting viewers through this idea that these guys are going to end up together and to say well you know we already have a queer pairing on the show with hen and karen first of all you're saying that there can only be one queer relationship in a show at all and that's all you get because that's the way it happens in the real world you know, you only know one queer person in your entire life, and that's it. You get that one queer person, and that's it. That's your limit. Which I think real life is not that way. And then it became, well, we created this whole other show for you to have so much representation. You know, there, there are th these two gay guys, and there's a trans man, and there's a Muslim woman, and, you know, like, what more do you want? Well, we want more because you're you're hinting at there being more. And then to lean back and say, oh, it's all in your heads. No, no. You put it there and then you're backing away from it because you don't want to do that. Because you don't want to go there because you think that you've done more than enough. And that's BS. So again, do not joke around about queer representation unless that's where you're going because historically, there has not been enough. So when you present it as a joke, 
Who is the punchline? Yeah, Beck said it's it is literally on the screens in front of us, particularly from Buck's side. Yeah. Yeah. So Meg. Um, yeah. So like I said, if you had talked to me two months ago, I'd have a, a, a it's it was a much different Meg and Carlo's been listening to me kind of reckon with with that article and that interview because it made me so angry not just as someone who shipped buck and eddie but as a fan of the show and as someone who deserves to be valued because the reason you have a show is because you have fans if you don't want people to ship characters do not play romantic tropes all the time the oh my gosh you guys have such a cute son you guys are such a cute couple and then and buck not saying oh well you know we're just besties and just accepting that they're being assumed to be a couple the Botfly episode with all the live streaming, the idea that Buck cannot function if Eddie is in danger. When Eddie is trapped in that well and Buck is literally digging with his bare hands to try to get 40 feet at least into the ground, all of those are romantic tropes. If they were opposite genders, it would 100% be like, oh yeah, of course, they're going to get together. And I've been trying to organize my thoughts about this because I do think there is a difference because there's a conversation going on in the what we do in the shadows fandom. And there have been people who are accusing what we do in the shadows of queer baiting between two characters. And there is a difference between queer baiting and your ship just not being canon. What we do in the shadows is chock full of queer characters. They're all queer. Every single one of them. Like, I think there's maybe one straight person on the show. And... In that case, talking about queer baiting, I don't think makes sense. Just because a particular ship that you want to happen isn't happening doesn't mean that it's inherently queer baiting because there's so much other queer representation on this show. This show absolutely is queer baiting because Hen and Karen's story is completely sidelined. We hardly ever see anything. When we see their their relationship, it's usually in strife, hence cheating. They're having, they're worried about losing their son. There's stress and marital issues between them because Hen wants to go to medical school. All of that is not like, so that's it. That's, that's the representation that's going to be on the show. And then Lone Star, which their spinoff is, feels gross kind of when you think about. They're like, well, we know you guys want these two together. So here's TK and Carlos. Here's two other characters. And it's like, I'm not fetishizing an MLM relationship. I think these two characters in particular would be a good couple. It's not like I'm sitting here every male friendship. I'm not, no one is shipping Bobby and Michael. Like, <laughs> no one is sitting here shipping Chim and, and Buck or anything. Well, maybe they are, but I've never seen it. <laughs> But the chemistry between the two of them, and so much of it is absolutely Oliver Stark. And so much, I think, for me, particularly when I came to shipping, is a lot of people who shipped SDL kind of moved on to Buck and Eddie after Supernatural. And frankly, a lot of great SDL fic writers have been started writing buddy fic, and I like fanfic Buck and Eddie more than I think even the show at this point. But it felt weirdly token is tokeny when they did Lone Star and they're like, look at all this representation over here. Ignore that the fact that there's not a lot of representation for LGBTQIA people in the original show and ignore the fact that we're putting all of these romantic tropes 
right there in front of you as like Carla said, the wink and the nod to the audience. Don't do it. If you're not going to follow through, don't do it. If you're literally going to tell your audience, if you don't, if you want them together, write fan fiction and read fan fiction. And we don't understand how you could picture these two heterosexual men together, even though we put all of these tropes in there is bullshit. It's complete bullshit. It's completely hopping out. And it makes me really, really angry. And again, not even as someone who is shipping, just as a fan, the disrespect that that interview showed towards their audience was enraging, to be perfectly honest. I had a hard time even going back and starting to watch the show because what's the point? So anyway, that was my little rant. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, that was very well very well said and you know whenever we're covering ryan murphy and you know it wasn't him saying it but it's still his show whenever we're covering ryan murphy you know it's uh, stuff like this always comes up to an extent and I, I think this is the first time we've ever talked about queer baiting with his shows but still a lot of this stuff so so Susie, you know <laughs> if you like it could make sense if you if you had asked me this question like two months ago I would have been like, yeah, shit, buddy, yeah. But, you know, after certain shows, a certain show came into my life and showed me yep. that you can have a queer relationship mm-hmm. and queer characters done well if you're not a coward. It's I'm not accepting anything less. Now I'm just like, whatever. I'm not invested anymore. If it yeah. happens, Those it happens. Those two if things, it that, yeah. yeah, that show and that interview was just like, yeah. The timing yeah. of it could like, not have been more. Seeing such beautiful representation, especially from our flag means death. It just, it's it's taught me, I'm not taking any more of your scraps, people. I'm not going to take the tidbits that you try to feed me to keep me docile. I want the whole cake. Stop giving me crumbs. And, you know, it's so now I'm just... <laughs> I'm not really invested anymore. If it happens, great. If it doesn't, whatever. It's, I just they're being freaking cowards about it. <laughs> they're they're just like, no, no. Like they say, like, no, they're not gonna get together. It's never possible. And even even but then why put in all this like all this subtext? Why put in all these like like Megan Carla said, like they smile and wink at you. But when they just to like entice you and pull you in, but when they go like f- like right and flat out deny it, instead of feeling like a smile and a wink, it feels like a sneer and a spit in the face. Because you're like, oh, it doesn't feel fair that you're treating your your fandom this way and being this disrespectful to people who are actively trying to support the show and love and have all this love for all the characters. And Meg is right when we do have when we when the show does like occasionally focus on like the established queer relationships it's always some form of strife michael goes through the cancer hen and karen they have the infidelity storyline and then they have the almost losing uh, their son and then there's the whole pregnancy thing and then them getting into a fight over the foster daughter it's always some sort of like granted those problems do come up in relationships and in life but also it's it feels kind of crappy when when that when they do that when they are given those storylines that's mainly what the focus is is like how 
it's all how it's in strife and how and it's Michael in, cheating like, on Athena. Just, yeah. For, so the only the queer characters are the two that are cheating. Yeah. Even though the show is fun to watch and it is it is like so touching and it it does in a way also feel like we're just gonna spit in your face because <laughs> who cares? And it's also and it also makes you think like Ryan, if David Jenkins could assemble a writers' room of diverse writers who each brought something different and wonderful to the table so they wouldn't all be centered on a white male perspective you could do it sir you are ryan murphy you have like legions of writers at your disposal i bet you you throw a quarter in there and you can come up with like 10 15 of them who are just gonna have who are just gonna help you make the show better and make it be more Yeah. Just gonna help yeah. you improve it. I I just I saw that Bex brought up Buck cheating also on the show, and I'm I and I agree what he did wasn't right. But there's a difference between when you're seeing somebody and you kiss somebody else, and when you're married to somebody and you have a full blown sexual affair with somebody else. There is a vast difference between kissing somebody else while you're dating someone exclusive or not, and betraying your spouse who you've made a commitment of monogamy to and you have built a life with. So I don't, I don't put kissing and full blown sexual affair in the same category. And also, I'm sorry, as far as like putting it out there for us, don't have the first time you show Eddie be to buck looking at him to what a man yeah, what a man as he's like putting his shirt on over his shredded abs. Like that is one hundred percent. Buck could have been looking at any one of like it could have been if it had been a woman that have been like absolutely there wouldn't have yeah. been a question. It wouldn't have been a joke. Queerness is not a joke. Yeah, if Eddie was like, treating up, it as such, this would have been like yes, Frigidly. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you know what I'm I'm saying it now and I'll say it till the end of time I'm done taking scraps. If don't be a coward, make a cannon. If not, then just whatever. I'm gonna live my life because I think what Susie's saying is very important. Is that we have been fed scraps for ages. It's always oh well we let them look at each other kind of longingly. Enjoy that. Build your your mind cannon around that. And it's not until this huge, ridiculously, and I I say ridiculously because it shouldn't have to be until 2022 that we get this so explicitly canon for it to be a watershed moment when we're finally at a point where we're not taking anything less than absolute in-your-face canon with queer pairings. No more. No more. You know, th- this really showed, um, Arthagmi's death really showed me that I don't have to live on fanfic alone. Yeah. Because it should not be that way. It should not be in our heads and on fanfic and that's it. Yeah. Why is it our job to create these stories for ourselves? When, yeah. and Especially when you see what, how popular Arthagmi's death is. These are stories people want to see. 
Yeah, people are hungry for the for the real representation. representation. Stop and stop and also stop telling us that we're just seeing things. That oh, that's not what we meant. Performative representation, but real, actual, Mm -hmm. intentional representation. Well, and and that's the thing too is with with the representation. We look at Arth Plague means death just as a comparison. Yes, there is strife, there is pain, there are misunderstandings, but none of that has to do with being queer. Yeah. But None it's not the it. sum of their parts. It's not like the only exactly. thing. It's it's yeah. it's well rounded. Yeah. You and know? I think that's a reckoning a lot of people have had in this in the past month or so, at least from what I'm seeing is realizing I think it's almost been gaslighting for people to be like, Well, this is mm-hmm. what we're gonna get. This is all we're gonna get, and we should yes. just be happy with it. And as much as I ship Destiel and I and I love supernatural and everything like that when you think back to them being like well it's open for interpretation you can you can interpret it however you want as if like this is a gift to their fans to be like yeah but that's why it's I always for you it to interpret however you want and it's that's, just such yeah. it's such bullshit why what is so scary about just saying yes and it was never good enough for me 15 18 yeah. was never enough yeah, and uh, like Susie and I discussed this a lot when we were talking about Hollywood, honestly, is in Hollywood, you have uh, you have this thing that Ryan Murphy has set up where he's doing an alternate reality for Hollywood, where you have a gay man, Rock Hudson, who is actually going to be out and open about being gay and it's going to be accepted and he's going to be in a relationship with a gay black man and it's going to be accepted that's going to be front and center you're going to have a black woman headline a movie win an academy award be there in the actual auditorium and that's going to be embraced so he was trying to do that yet he centers the movie on a straight or the series on a straight white man and then you have in the same series you have a character who is an older white man who's finally comes out of the closet he gets in a relationship with a man he's happy for the first time in his life and practically the next thing you see he's died he died of cancer and you know like uh like we talked about with ratchet it was so important to cynthia nixon and sarah paulson they went to him and said because cynthia nixon's character gets shot and they said please do not have her die do not do this. Do not do the barrier gaze anymore. And so she lives. But, and this is spoilers, but then what does she end up having to her? She has breast cancer. So the fact that so she probably will not make it to the next season or she'll die mid the season two or something. So it's like, I think Ryan Murphy is so guilty of this stuff in his shows. And even though he's not the one that spoke in that interview, I'm calling him out because... He does this in his shows all the time. And that's why I've always thought he has some kind of internalized homophobia because he is an out gay man, but he still does this to a lot of his characters, his characters. And and I I know it's a horror series and people are going to die, but that doesn't excuse the fact that most, that a lot of the characters that you torture and put through hell in your a American Horror Story universe are queer character. You take Hotel and you have Tristan and Liz, and it's like this perfect soulmate, no toxicity in their relationship. They're happily in love. And then you see Tristan get his throat viciously slashed in the same episode that they are together. So it's like this, it's a pattern with him. 
and his shows. And with this one, I think he feels, well, we can get away with this and his team. We can get away with this because of the fact that we have other queer representation. But as we said, that's that's not enough. Just saying just we have this. So be satisfied with that. But yet we're going to heap on all of every queer character in here. We're going to heap on cancer. We're going to heap on infidelity. We're going to heap on all this other stuff, all this strife, because we can't make them too happy. Mm. And it's so frustrating. And the fact that, you know, people don't seem to grasp the fact that it's so important to see this and it's just it just makes me want to scream and it's my biggest issue with all of his products all of the stuff that he produces and i i know he doesn't work alone i know he doesn't work alone but still a lot of the stuff he produces he has so much power and control in hollywood he doesn't have to do this it's not like when he started out with the show popular that failed really quickly it's not like that he has so much power and control and he does things where I think he feels if he does them, then it's okay. Like the fact that he is a producer on Pose. So that makes up for the fact that I'm so transphobic and a lot of other things that I do. That makes mm -hmm. up for it. I don't have good representation here, yet I will create very well-rounded three-dimensional characters with Down syndrome, which he does very well. But then I will cast Julia Roberts to play someone who is a wheelchair user. And so mm -hmm. it's like that, that kind of, you know, I'll cast... Uh, you know, he casts well in certain areas and then it'll be like, but I'll cast bad in this and I'll play into these stereotypes. But then I have this. So that balances it out. And I think he also uses the excuse that he's doing shows that have to do with trauma or weird things happening. So then it's okay if I yeah. do the, this to my, these things to my characters. So yeah, it's, it's people should not have to take scraps and people that say, well, just be happy with what you've got. It doesn't matter. Are people that have seen themselves since time began on screen and it matters mm -hmm. seeing yourself represented and in all dimensions, in all aspects of life and as a fully fleshed out character means something. Jamie Brewer, who has who has been in a lot of American Horror Story stuff, she is an idol in the Down syndrome community because of the fact that she has played characters that have been fully fleshed out. She has you know, a romantic love interests, all that kind of stuff. And so if you can do that there, Ryan, you can do that in every single flipping aspect of your shows. It's so frustrating. Yeah. Well, and so many of them use the excuse, especially when you talk about things like Ryan Murphy or, or bury your gaze and stuff like that. They're like, well, we can't have sacred cows. And it's like, no one's asking you to have a sacred cow. No one is asking you to be like, well, you can't hurt them because they're lgbtqia but maybe don't make that trauma be the only thing about them mm -hmm. i and and i think it was one of those one of the most heartbreaking things i've seen because i am a cishet white woman i have seen myself represented my whole life with fantastic characters and one of the things that was so heartbreaking in my mind watching people watch our flag means death is the the disbelief the fear to hope that this was something that was actually going to happen and it's insane to me because I, like i said i see myself represented all the time but i also know that i'm not the only person in the world i i got so excited to see my lgbtqia friends 
and family members getting excited to see themselves on screen and everyone deserves that and and the idea that they're hiding behind well we can't keep them alive just because they're lgbtqia i was like well you have no problem killing them and but yeah the sacred cow argument is one i've seen all the time and it's it's so frustrating and gross on and a lot of even the term honestly (laughs) but it's yeah anyways it's it's my biggest issue with ryan murphy and it will always be my biggest issue and like i've said yes he's come miles miles from the most homophobic transphobic racist show nip tuck he's come miles from that but that doesn't mean that he is (laughs) wonderful wonderful and amazing and always does everything well because he doesn't and and i do think he does and this was mentioned on our american horror story episode i do think i do agree that there are times when he does get away with this stuff more because he is a gay man so people say well then it's okay you know and especially he's a white gay man so yeah but it's just it's not necessary and it's not fair and it's hurtful and it's demeaning and you know if you don't get to see yourself represented on screen it means it it affects you and that's what people need to realize and i don't think people really give a don't realize that or don't care and all you have to do is see certain like i mentioned yesterday when you watched everybody when when black panther came out and how excited little kids were to see i mean and just look at that because we as as a white woman as a straight white woman i've seen that my whole life so you know i've had that so i'm used to that but a lot of other people have not had themselves represented. So yes. But so even insane. but even that when you look at Wonder Woman, what a big deal it was when Wonder oh, Woman yeah. and Captain Marvel came out, and, oh, and yeah. how exciting that was for so many. That was thr- that was really exciting for me to oh, see mm-hmm. to see a female superhero being centered. So I and but I mean Linda Carter Carter has like it's been done before. It's not like it didn't exist before. So to imagine finally with black panther is such a great example seeing such a beautiful representation how that must have felt for people i i don't understand why it's even controversial i don't understand why it's a debate anymore i i just i don't get it in the year of our lord 2022 (laughs) who cares about losing your conservative viewership maybe that like i don't get it no yeah 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 i mean because yeah you know, and I mentioned that too yesterday with the, with Wonder Woman was when you saw the scene in, in the movie, the first movie, not the second movie, the second movie was well, whatever. Uh, but in the first movie, when you watch her first going out on that battlefield and all the men have stayed behind, I cried in the theater because that's not something you normally see with a woman. So that that was, but yeah, it's just, it's just so, so dang frustrating. And um, it's one thing that, you know, like, I really honestly would love to interview Ryan Murphy and really delve into this. He would never come on this show because of the fact that I've insulted him so much, <laughs> and I, but I really would love to have an actual conversation and I'd love to have an actual conversation. Criticized. With that. 
Yes. I helpful criticism. I still watch all his stuff. It's not like I don't watch his don't stuff. Don't be an asshole and you'll be fine. No. <laughs> That's why I would love to sit there and talk to yeah. people that have been on his shows, but they're all gonna compliment him. They're not gonna be like, yeah, yeah, because they're not gonna want to lose their job. So they're not gonna sit there and go, Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Because I'm sure some of these people, because, you know, I, I wonder that. I mean, I'm sure I wonder if Sarah Paulson and Cynthia Nixon would have gone up to him if it had been the first time they had worked with him. Sarah Paulson's like his darling. So mm -hmm. if Sarah Paulson hadn't been in everything, would she have felt the courage or felt like she could have gone up? I don't, courage is, I don't mean that as like an insulting thing. I just mean like, would she have felt like she wouldn't lose her job? by going up to him and go, saying that and probably not i don't know for sure i can't speak for her but probably not when she was first starting out she probably wouldn't have wouldn't have but the fact that she is like his darling she probably felt like she had more agency there and you know ryan will listen to me now whereas you know a lot of people that might have just started out with him are like well i can't go up and tell him please stop doing this so yeah um but yeah, so that's, I really would love to, it's never going to happen because he will not come on here because he's not going to want to face that stuff. I think that's part of the reason he deleted and stopped following people on his social medias because he was getting attacked over double feature, the second part of American Horror Story. And right after that, he just, <laughs> so I think he can't handle that stuff very well. So yeah. Uh, well, we don't have much time left. Um, only about eight minutes here, but, and we've already, we've already really covered representation a lot, I think, in this little conversation, unless there's anything else um, Carla wants to throw out about the represent, I didn't mean to say, I, I was, because she raised her hand. <laughs> <laughs> Just Carla, you're the only one allowed to say anything. Just me. <laughs> so, you and you, shush. Well, with, and I'm going to work my way backwards, because Lone Star is where they kind of just you know through all of the criticisms of representation were like here you go here's a show that has a black trans man and it has a uh a mexican and a white gay pairing and it has um mateo who is also mexican and it has tommy who is black and she's married to a black man, which is also very rare because people don't like seeing black couples on television, apparently. It has to be like, oh, no, there's too many black people in the same house. We must do something about it. One of them needs to be white. And you have Marjan, who is a Muslim woman. But while you have all of this, the show centers on Owen Strand, played by classic white boy Rob Lowe. The show is about Rob Lowe... And he, by the way, listen, I don't care how, about, how anybody feels about Rob Lowe. He is not a good actor. He is mediocre at best. And if he was good at any point in his past, he is not good now. He is stilted and wooden and uh, more concerned with his looks than with emoting. But yeah, the show centers on him, the white man, the straight cisgender white man. And who else is the center on? Judd another straight cisgender white man who happens to be married to a black woman because it's it's okay to show grace his wife because she's married to a white man so we can center on her now and then but it's mostly about those two and then as a third important person that we center on tk who yes he's gay but he's white so that's okay and then everybody else gets screen time in a lot of portions from then on the person we hear about the least is paul who, as I said, 
is the trans black man. He is the person who was the least developed character. He is the person who we know the least about. So that's to, that is where they, the, yeah. they're the one bit storyline we get from him is him suffering a stroke. Yeah. Again. Yes. Like just so, putting your character through yeah. pain. Putting him through pain. No, nothing showing about who he is as a, as a person. Nothing, nothing, nothing. We get scraps and bits as if he were a side character. But well, yes. and let's forget his sister not accepting him. Oh, oh sorry. I forgot yeah. to mention yeah. that classically, you know, you know, like his sister yeah. missing her yeah. sister. That's right. fun. That's the, that, okay. But so we have this shoveling of parts to create a show that is still, this is the, the progressive version of the 911 universe. We go back to classic 911, and it was hailed as this big paragon of representation because you have a black woman who is take charge as Athena. Then you have a black woman who is married to another black woman. Let's forget the fact that we don't really talk about them all that much. Like almost at all in the first season. Who cares about that? We'll get to them in the second season if they can manage to survive. Chimney, who was an Asian man, who goes through the absolute worst of the worst in the first two seasons. Um, you have um, disability representation in Christopher, who is a kid, who, you know, like, he doesn't get much of a story because he's a child. And as I've said about Carla, she's another Black woman, and you hear n almost nothing about her and her inner workings and her personal life. So, yes, when it comes to representation, this is representation in 2022 in mainstream television. It is um, either ham-fisted and thank us, please, for all of the wonderful representation we're giving you. And it is absolute BS because whom does 911 center? It centers Buck. It centers Bobby. Those are the people who really get the most play. Athena into season five is just becoming a centralized character. So these shows have absolutely no standing to to really say, oh, look at, at how amazing we are. It's yeah. a lot of, of lip service. It's a lot of lip service. And oh, forget about it's Maddie. ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Well, Maddie, who gets so much screen time in season two and three because she's a white woman in peril. It's important because she would not have gotten that much attention were she not in constant peril. By the way, I can't stand Jennifer Love Hewitt, but that's a story for another day. Also, she got sad. And so she had a whole episode with everyone coming into a cafe and thanking her for, for saving oh their lives. For saving their lives. That's the worst Operator. thing I've ever seen. Where, where do we get to see more about Linda? Yeah. But, you know, that's it. Yeah. No. Who cares about them? They're not. They're not Maddie. Maddie. <laughs> that was the cringiest episode, too. I'm sorry. I forgot one very important thing that angered me. Angered the hell out of me. Eddie's girlfriend, Anna, mm -hmm. who was there for like, what, two seasons or so. She was supposed to be after Latina. Guess what? She is neither. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I think she she is black, but she's not Latina. And this actress, whom I will not name, has appeared in multiple roles as an Afro-Latina. So she is absolutely taking roles from actual Afro-Latinas just because she looks Afro-Latina adjacent. And that makes me so angry because it is not hard to find Afro-Latina actresses in that age range or any age range. So... Do not make her Afro-Latina unless she is one. And then cast accordingly. 
Very, very well said. Yes. I do. I want to say one positive thing. I appreciate the fact that Christopher is played by an actor who has CP. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. Um, Paul is played by a trans man. And I think that's a, it's a step. Like, they're tiny little baby crumbs. But it's one of those things where with your toddler, if you don't acknowledge it, then maybe they won't keep doing like. <laughs> it is sad and it's ridiculous that grown people have to be treated like toddlers for them to do the right thing. Yeah. And I, uh, yeah, I think I, I would have, I don't think I even would have watched the show to be perfectly honest. If, if Christopher had CP and an actor who played him did not also have CP because it's just mm-hmm. gross. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, and I, and which, and like I said, he does really well with down syndrome characters and has since the glee days. So he does really well with that. He does, I, you know, he had a character in Glee who was a wheelchair user who was, the actor was not a wheelchair user, so that was not okay. But then he tried to make up for it when he had an episode of Glee where everybody in there were, were disabled actors who were playing the characters that were in this one episode. Uh, so he tries and he, you know, he, Nip Tuck is the most, one of the most transphobic shows ever made. And so he's tried to do better that way. He, he works with Angelica Ross a lot with in within the American Horror Story universe. And he did have, like I said, in 1984, the best season ever. I will die on that hill. He um, did have her, she, you know, she's a trans black woman um, who also happens to be a dark skinned black woman. And he did have her be the final girl. But then what did he do? He took it away by making the fact that, I mean, she did survive, but making it the fact that Emma Roberts was actually the final girl, a white straight woman. But, but uh, in my mind, that's not true. So in my mind, it wasn't her character. It was Angelica Ross's character, but so, yeah. Okay, well, thank you, everyone, for watching, and thank you to my three wonderful panelists, and thank you to everyone who's supported these Ryan Murphy episodes and shows. I do think he he is someone that's really interesting to examine, because even though he pisses me off, the episodes we do covering his stuff are my favorite episodes we ever do, honestly. Because of the fact that it is a way to really critique art and really look at how it could be better and where there is so much potential and where that gets sidelined and and stuff. So I do enjoy talking about these. And like I said, this is going to become an annual thing. We are taking our American Horror Story journey. So if you want to follow us along with that, become a Patreon supporter for as little as $3 a month. And we released our seasons one and two, which is a three hour and two minute episode. And we are going to be covering seasons three and four. And let me tell you, I don't like season three anymore. And that used to be one of my favorite seasons. But we're that's that's next. So that's Coven and Freak Show. So head on over to our website. Find the link there for supporting us or in the show notes. Okay, so I'm going to go around and have everybody say where they can be found in their podcast. Carla. Thank you. I am Carla Temis. Meg and I have a podcast that we co-host called Bedwet or Behead, in which we are so super hilarious and just as insightful as we were here so check that out on any podcast streaming service uh you can also find our twitter at bedwetbeheadpod instagram is at bed.wet.behead.pod find us on other blue social media by looking up bedwet or behead podcast you can find my art and my writing and all kinds of fun stuff at garatemis.com 
And my uh, my Twitter account is at Carla Temis. That's C-A-R-L-A-T-E-M-I-S. Awesome. Thank you. And Meg? You can find me on the Twitter. Also, I want to plug that Aaron, I'm not sure if it'll be out by the time this is Aaron, but Aaron did come on our show to play Bed, Wed, Behead with Christian Bale. And it was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. <laughs> it, was, it was a good time. <laughs> and we kept it under two hours somehow. Um, but you can find me on Twitter at Wisconsinach, which is W-I-S-C-O-N-S-E-N-N-A-C-H. Awesome. Susie? Oh, yeah. You can find me on Twitter at CZQ underscore SC. And there's an additional underscore for Instagram. So there's underscore buddies. And uh, my dog's Instagram is at Penny underscore Pelicita. Send me our flag means dead stuff. I can always have more thing of that in my life. Thank you very much. <laughs> and and love back to you, Aaron, too. Who, Aaron A., of course, of, I've been bragging about our website in every single episode because I love our website so dang much and our new logo so dang much so yes so shout out to Aaron and this is the other Aaron <laughs> the host Aaron <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at E April Beauty the E and the A and the B are capitalized be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Twitter at fandom thing pod no it's in that one on Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod on TikTok at it's a fandom thing pod Ryan, if you would like to brave the waters <laughs> and have an honest discussion with me, I would love it. If any of the actors would like to have a round table, I know you probably won't be able to be <laughs> honest, but <laughs> or as long as I don't know, maybe you all disagree, but I would love to talk to you. So feel free to head on over to our website. It's a fandomthingpod.com. Click contact us. Put your information in there. I know it works because we've received some. So go ahead and do that. Reach out to us. Or you can email us directly at it's a fandom thing pod uh, or at uh, it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, what? Wait a minute. I was like, no, you're right. Keep going. <laughs> Sorry. So next week, oh, why did I do this to myself? We are kicking off. <laughs> I'm so sick of comedies. We are kicking off. Four weeks of comedies, but we're doing eight shows. So next week, we're kicking it off with a live stream discussing Ted Lasso. I'm not positive on the time yet. I'm pretty sure I know, but I have to just confirm. But we are kicking that off with Ted Lasso live stream and then a discussion about one day at a time. Go to our social media. I have a little promotion video that I put together, but that should be fun, even though I'm really sick of comedies. I noticed, and I don't know if it's because I said I'm hating I, I hate How I Met Your Mother. Hate this show. And we had a bunch of people. That was a full panel. All of a sudden, there's only one person on that panel. So I don't know what happened, but it could be the people don't want to be on there with me talking about how much I hate this show. Um, <laughs> we rewatched it and decided that it was not worth our time. I, I was supposed to be on it and I took myself off because I was just going to be like, all I'm going to. Oh, all I'm going to do is talk about how much I hate how the show series finale. I can't, I can't watch it. I cannot watch it. I tried to start watching it again. I can't do it. I hate it so much now. And I was like, I don't need to bring that negativity. 
Oh, well, I, I hate this show. I hate this show. Bring when it, we did bring Ratchet, it, I was like, I hate it. show. I hate this show. And Susie just lost it because I was just like, I hate this show so dang much. I'm going to send you a message about the one episode that I still like. <laughs> I'll just can't, I don't know. But I have one yeah. panelist that's still on there. Everybody else is I, backed out. So I know a show you could replace it with. No. <laughs> that's not happening it's sorry. a lot easier to watch it's not happening sorry. it's more enjoyable <laughs> anyway so until next time remember it's a fandom thing black lives matter and stop asian hate step into the world of power loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.